0: Good morning, everybody. Hopefully you're listening in the morning. It, it is the Saturday Boarding Sports Emporium being recorded on Saturday, January the 2nd, 2021. So happy new year to everybody listening out there. My name's Justin Lee. I'm joined by Adam Swenson and Brandon Lee. Good morning, guys.
1: Good morning and happy new year.
0: Um, Plenty to talk about as we get uh, 2021 kicked off. We're going to be able to wander around the sports world a little bit we'll touch on football hockey basketball even a little baseball and um let's uh let's get an idea of what's going on we talked about this on previous shows you know at nba nhl getting things going and also a little bit of uh golden grizzly college basketball all that and more coming up in just a moment Well, you know, we, we, we've started this thing off as, uh, started this show off as Oakland University, on, you know, Oakland University College Radio, and now we're in podcast land. So it feels appropriate to start the show off with a little uh, Golden Grizzly men's basketball. And um, so we're in Horizon League play at this point, point. Um, and we know OU had a, a very grisly uh, preseason uh, slate and that did not go particularly well. But then again, with the teams they were playing, almost to a team, they were very good. Um, now that we're in conference play, uh, Oakland's two and, two and three in the conference, I think. They are. Um, and a really, really rough night last night. So, what? Uh, where do we go from
1: here? Uh, my, my, my takeaway for this particular team, they're super young. Uh, they are uh, a team that uh, really, they're probably uh, adjusting to each other. Uh, when you think about this team, I think we got Rashad Williams. He didn't play the first, you know, few uh, games of the season. Uh, and he has definitely proven to be, you know, in a lot of ways, maybe one of their best players on, on 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 their team uh so it was tough to kind of get started there uh and the other thing is that uh when you you know really take a look at this particular conference i think the horizon league conference is, is i see it is is actually a conference that you're getting better at basketball and they're facing a right state team last night as well as today that is the cream of the crop uh and uh especially when you look at uh i mean i i, I don't think they've basically the margins of of their games uh, are fairly large. They're definitely the class of the conference. And I'm going to take a more of a wait and see, uh, especially when I look at, you know, who OU faced to begin with uh, Xavier Toledo, Bradley, Michigan, Purdue, Oklahoma state, Michigan state, all those teams could make the, uh, you know, the the, uh, tournament uh, if it does in fact take place this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and uh, I, I, and this is where, I take a wait and see. They did a really solid job against UAD, who is actually mm-hmm. a pretty good team themselves. Uh and I and I think lastly, this cannot be understated, guys, is the fact that this team started behind the eight ball, not having any practice really to start the season. Uh, and for them to play fairly respectably against Michigan, uh, and definitely Michigan State. Um and the last thing I'll say. if if you're going to criticize this team, it's that they can't play defense to save their life. So,
2: Yeah, you know, I remain really optimistic, which is kind of where I was, um, you know, last time we talked about basketball. I think, you know, you, you have to split the conversation into two, which is, you know, this year, optimism, and then concerns around the transfer portal, of which they've benefited from this year. But if we just put the transfer portal aside, and we pretend that that doesn't exist, I would say that this team has the potential to be the right state of the conference next year or the following year. I mean, the, the, the young talent that they have is, is really athletic and fun to watch. And, you know, the Michigan game was a game and Michigan just blew Maryland out um, and they're undefeated and climbing in the big 10 ranking. So Michigan is a quality team. they played really tight with state and Oklahoma state was a very winnable game and they arguably have the best player in the country in Cade Cuttingham. So, I mean, this team, when it plays well, can compete with, you know, top, top 15 teams, you know, even if it's just a half or two. Um, and so it, it's exciting. And, yeah, they looked awful last night. You know, Adam, you referenced the number of issues. Um, I would say the, 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 key, the key guy you brought up and that the piece that's just not working right now is Rashad Williams. Um, he has not looked right. He has not looked right in all but one of the games. I believe it was the Michigan State game where he basically took OU on his back and scored, you know, I think 30 points, uh, 36 points on 10 three-pointers, something to that effect. He's looked off, and he looked terrible last night. Uh, He had a couple of big shots against uh, in the UDM series, Um, but he's looked off, and really it's been Jalen Moore uh, and and some clutch play from Zion Young of late, uh, you know, and Trey Townsend that have been carrying the team. Um, so I'm excited. Their front line is really good. Um, Trey Townsend and Parrish are exciting to watch. Oladapo is a solid guy. Um, what excites me about this team is that if they can get it to click, I do believe they can make a run in the conference tournament. Um, I do believe that they're capable of winning it just because of the, their their ceiling. At the same time, it's also a team that could get bounced in the first round. So it'll be exciting to watch. And again, assuming that Campy can keep this um, – Keep this core together,
0: and the future is really bright. So, okay. and, and you know, not to beat the dead horse, but that really is the question is can Campy keep this group together? And it's not all on him by no. any stretch of the imagination at this point with transfer portal, but Townsend and Parrish, I mean, uh, they're freshmen going out there doing a very, Zion cre- young. yeah, a very creditable job. Um, a, that can only you know, they can only improve from here and you're going to get more inconsistent play with the younger, younger guys. You're talking about 18, 19 year olds, you know, out there. Uh, No question. You know, uh, yeah. Williams, he, he was over nine last night and just hasn't been the guy. I mean, last year we talked about how the team changed when he joined, when he was able, when he was cleared to play, you know, mid season ish last year. I mean, the the team completely changed, and um, that you know that's not what's going on. But again, as we've talked about with OU, and granted, you know, Campy emptied the bench last night because obviously, um, you know, but they shot under twenty seven percent from the floor. No Campy, well, no basketball team will win a game when you do that. And so this really looks more to me like a just an, an aberration. This was a bad game. Now. The problem is, is right State so good that who knows that they're going to win tonight? And, and I do think the other thing to consider is a very different schedule this season, and I think it is worth mentioning, is they're playing back-to-back games against their conference component uh, opponents, and both are either at home, in this case Oakland's playing both these games at home, or they're both on the road, as they did at Callahan Hall when they played UD. And it does change the flavor of what's going on here. Uh, You catch a team when they're hot. You might get bounced two games, and you had no chance. Um, On the other hand, you might walk in, maybe their top players down for both games or whatever else. So it's 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 going to make the league tournament so much more unpredictable. So yeah,
2: excuse me, Zion Young is a transfer, not a. (laughs) <laughs> he was at WIU uh, the last couple of years. Um, which is because, you know, um, Jalen Moore is also a transfer, I believe, from junior college. So I think it means that, you know, those guys are more likely to stay. Uh, and it really is guards that have a lot more um, flexibility in the transfer portal than bigs. And so, you know, mm-hmm. they've got the good front line. They've got some 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 good transfer talent in the backcourt. And this is really the big the thing we talked about last year is they didn't have a point guard. And that just totally derailed that team. Um, mm-hmm. Xavier Hill Mays and Brad Brechting, the great front court, and Robert Todd Williams in the shooting, they had no point guard. And now, now they have a great point guard. Jalen Moore is a really talented point guard. Um, so,
0: very good this year.
2: You know, I think the, the real question for them is, to, you know, Justin's point is can they, can they get some consistency? And then do they get hot at the right time?
1: And and with this particular team, uh, to to that point, the one guy, I mean, even from a stat perspective, he's been incredible. Has been D- uh, Daniel Oladipo o- with the uh, number of rebounds. Uh, he he was kind of muted last night in terms of the number of rebounds, but he had you know four or five games with almost 20 rebounds, which is just absolutely, especially on an Oakland team that's not necessarily known for uh, big men getting um, rebounds. And especially when you consider the schedule that they've had, uh, you know, it, it even make it even more notable that Oladipo is not really considered the transfer portal, um, uh, you know, and uh, so I think that that, you know, and, and, and those are the things that with Campy, I, I think he will adjust to the transfer portal he'll adjust the message that you're going and i know we weren't supposed to talk about transport but i think for the sake of this conversation we you you have to i i think he he, he will adjust and it appears he is adjusting mm-hmm. to, to 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 the transfer portal which you know i you know we on this show uh have been a little, definitely um okay uh hot and cold on coach campy uh the last couple of years uh and and i mean even outside of this record, uh, and, and, you know, it's not a good record, and certainly there's no doubt in my mind, he's probably eating Coach Can't Be Alive uh, having this record. Um, th- there are, are some good things happening, and I think when you do have a, a, an opponent like Wright State that clearly just the class of the conference, maybe yeah, you have NBA to let Calibre. down just a little bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, loud and loud, an NBA-caliber guy. Certainly a professional you know the with camp he is adapting the, the Jalen moore uh junior co- you know junior college transfer that's that's him adapting um or you know zion young you know getting to bring bringing him rebuilding that way trying to leverage from the portal versus recruiting so he's, he is adapting and you know he has said he likes this team he thinks they're good and i tend to trust him when he says that um yeah. so you know it's a it's a different look um but i i like the way he's built the team
0: so we'll uh, definitely keep talking about this over the next couple of months and um, just kind of keep our eye on things and remember back to this conversation and see see what changes between now and then because I think we'll definitely see some, uh, some different things go on during the season.
1: Yep. A, a, a real benchmark for this team will be the weekend of January 22nd and 23rd when they face UD Mercy again. Mm-hmm. I think we'll know a lot about this team in those games when you're repeating, you know, the, the, uh, uh, mattress that took place down at Callahan hall. Um, now I, am not a hundred percent sure if there's not even a possibility that they might get rid of that matchup and maybe reschedule it, or they not,
2: it will stay. It
1: will stay on the schedule. Okay, okay. I I, mm. I thought maybe there might be a change that might go away. I'm I'm hoping that they, you know, put a couple of games on channel twenty. I, I think and can uh and and I I say that because I think the recruit yeah, it's cool, you're on ESPN plus and all your game are there and so on and so forth, but it's always better to be on on television somewhere. Uh I, I think and, and if any of these you know players have any of aspirations that go on, they want to make sure that their their games get seen. Uh, and especially as many college basketball games that are on the air anymore. Um, and especially uh, with Oakland ha- having in the past played, you know, some games on, on national television. And, uh, and hey.
2: games contributing to their most recent NBA player. In right, After right. He was on ESPN, you know, taking Michigan State to the brink. They were on Channel 20 numerous times in those years. They also had Martez Walker, um, you know, a transfer from Texas, who is, I think, is in Europe now as a professional. So, I mean – I couldn't agree more. I want to, want to see them back on air. Um, yep. the other thing we didn't talk about it at all, and, and we, can, we can pick it up and see where we are in a few weeks. But Blake Lamplin and, and Kangu, uh, who were mainstays in the rotation last year, definitely down in minutes. Uh, and so it'll be interesting whether they're able to kind of reassimilate into the lineup and add that depth because the, the team's thin now, they're using about a six-man rotation in the game that I've been watching. Um, they're going to continue to kind of fade out of the rotation. So very interesting to see.
0: Yeah, Campy's been shuffling guys in for just like five, eight minutes a game. Guys like Lamplin and um, Kangoo and, and some of the others. And I think it's his just way of seeing what they look like when they're on the floor for a few minutes and then moving on.
2: Yeah, it's just interesting because of how many minutes those two ate up last year.
0: hmm Yeah. So sticking in the world of college sports um, – college football playoff uh we had the semi-final games yesterday um and uh alabama um solidly beat notre dame ohio state crushed clemson um and so we're going to have a uh, bama ohio state um final which both teams could lose and that would be great um but anyway um so well first off let's let's recap the games from yesterday what did you guys see from yesterday
1: well, uh, e- even the including of Notre Dame was questionable from the beginning, especially yeah. based on their last game against Clemson up against Trevor Lawrence. And it just, they didn't play very well in that ACC Championship game. And uh, I think a lot of people were fairly surprised that they, they were even included in that Final Four. And that conclusion uh, definitely played uh, into it, probably the result of what most people thought probably was going to happen. And and, and and part of it, uh, I'll call out Notre Dame and the people that picked them. Your the thing though is that, you know, the one thing I appreciate about Nick Saban is the man just adjusts on the fly, whether it be in the game, game to game, or season to season. And I think if there's one thing that Nick Saban has done, he's gone from a, hey, I'm going to be a, a defensive guy, I'm going to have really good defenses, and we're going to go ahead and, and run the ball down the pipe to hey, we're just going to bring in quarterbacks and wide receivers and have a running back. And we'll have a defense that does enough to contain the other team so that my offense could just be a machine. And watching that game yesterday, I even felt like Nick Saban and that offense was second gear. It wasn't even first gear, which I think for that's where that matchup, the next matchup will be very interesting. Uh, And then on the other game, uh, uh, Clemson, uh, Ohio State. Um, I think that was a case of Davo Sweeney, uh, Trevor Lawrence, and everyone thinking they were going to walk in, win the game, and move on. Uh, uh, Kirk Kirk Herbstreit Chris Fowler commented about how relaxed Davo Sweeney was. He's relaxed as he's ever been going into a a championship game. And clearly not prepared, uh, clearly not ready for that football game. And Ryan Day, really continuing to add on to what many people believe is that he is potentially the best college football coach out there, maybe the best football coach in, in anything right now. Uh, and for Justin Fields, who had a rough stretch there down the, you know, including the uh, championship game, but I think maybe a lot of that has to do more with how good Indiana actually is and maybe the big 10 starting to get going. Uh, and then uh, for Justin Fields, just by himself, after taking that hit and then coming back out after one play, being out and then having the game he did, uh, it definitely got people talking, and gives you the idea that Ohio State can be competitive against Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide.
2: Yeah, um, and and certainly kudos to Ohio State. They played very well, and they are a powerful school. I mean, they're just a very, very good football And they are leaps and bounds ahead of anyone else in the Big Ten. It's not even close. There's no competition. Um, I don't know if they'll they'll be competitive against Alabama. Alabama's just so good. Um, Can Ohio State beat Alabama? Of course they can. Will they? Will they probably lose by two two touchdowns? Probably. You know, I think they'll keep it close for a while. But to your point about Alabama's offense, really wasn't even clicking. They just have too much but I think for me you know I think Adam you you recap the games well for me the conversation is about how broken we are again in college football in terms of the championship the formula that we have that keeps producing these same teams like we we are clearly again broken um and it's either the way that talent is pooled and directed it's almost it's a it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy right like Now that the top recruits only see that you're going to get this kind of spotlight at six schools, they're all flowing to these six schools, and Ohio State, Clemson, and and Alabama in particular are the beneficiaries. Uh, You know, Notre Dame continues to get in because they're, you know, Notre Dame. It has nothing to do with the caliber of talent they have because they don't have anywhere near the caliber of talent these other teams have, and it's been proven every single year they've been in the playoffs and gotten bombed. And so I don't know where college football goes because it just seems like Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State – and occasionally in Oklahoma are going to keep playing until the end of time you know in, in this in this playoff you know it just it, it feels stale and broken again
1: well, and what doesn't help either is that these, I think it's only been two out of 20 or some ridiculously small number of these playoff games have been even remotely competitive. So, I mean, for all the talk, I mean, you go on ESPN and talk, and it ends up being just the biggest disappointment. And I think we're. And 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 to your point, Brandon, I think the challenging thing in terms of, of spreading that—I mean, they've done it with the number of scholarships that are out there. They did that several years ago. Uh, I, I the problem I see is I don't see there being a solution. And and I and what's even more incredible to me is that I, I keep on thinking. Uh, the Texases and the in the Californians of the world would produce some sort of program that would be competitive on this, based on so much of their talent going to these schools uh, to 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 go ahead and compete, and and that's not happening. So, the, same with the, Florida. Yes,
2: Famous teams are filled with guys from Florida.
1: Yeah, very good point. No, no, no. You make a and, and, and I guess I don't see there being a solution other than. Nick Saban going away. Uh, Right. You know, I mean, and I think Ohio State's been incredible because now they're going to do it over like two coaches. Right. I mean, that really shouldn't, because really that's the thing I look at is being the, the main refrain of that is it's the coach that they're going. And Oh, by the way, not only the head coach, but their ability to bring in, and of course a large part of that has to do with money. And I mean, what what could coordinator make at, at Alabama like two to three million dollars? I mean, uh, it, it, it's incredible how much money and and I, again, and, but they can't pay. Uh, even I, Adam Swanson, I have come to the dark side. With the paying of players at this point, the only problem no, is that the only thing worse than the idea of thinking that they should pay players is having someone think that they're actually going to come up with a system that would be remotely workable. So, and, mm-hmm. and that's where that's more my problem than anything. But it, that's where it comes down to with those programs is just the sheer amount of money that 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 is part of it. And really, I mean, to tie it back to a local team, that's where I, I think. Uh, a Michigan team, I don't... I mean, they're committing lots of dollars, don't get me wrong, but they're not committing the dollars that we're seeing at these... And and they're not going to. Nope. They're not going to. And that's where that's where people have to understand Michigan, unless there's some sort of big tide, big change, they're not going to compete. They, 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 they had program. a
2: couple of opportunities um, to crack into the playoffs before this thing got super concrete like it is now. And they... they for different reasons, they blew those opportunities. Um, particular thinking about the you know the JT Barrett um, fourth down game. I mean they had a they had a path to the playoff there. Um, so yeah, and you know we'll see if Harbaugh sticks around. But yeah, Michigan's a non-entity. Um, Texas is a non-entity. USC is a non-entity. The four teams have fallen off the map. You know it's um, it's it's unfortunate. And my interest in college in in the playoffs of college football you know, sharply
0: declining by the year. Yeah, I'm not even going to start because you've heard my take on this stuff before. But what I would say, and and this is a wildly unpopular opinion, the only way you're going to fix it and keep the current system in place, because I actually think it needs, you know, just a systemic change, um, is to increase the size of the playoff.
2: And that, that is an option. And, and then you're then you're really rolling, you rolling know, if one of those fringe teams, you know, like a Texas A&M, um, who, who could have given, you know, maybe in a rematch they could have given Alabama a run for their money. Um, you know, a Georgia, you know, one of the other SEC teams have proven they can beat an Alabama uh, on the right day. So I think you're probably right.
0: But we'll have to wait and see what happens. Adam, uh, any thoughts on um... – on the championship game.
1: I think at this point, you know, you have to go default Alabama at this point. And, and I, just because I, I cannot figure out what Ohio state, even though they're good on defense, they're going to do to be able to stop Devonte Smith. I mean, Devonte Smith is unbelievable. He had 140 <laughs> balls thrown to him, to him with three drops, three drops. I mean, that's, especially after watching Lions football drop mania over there at Ford Field this year. Three drops. I mean, it's not that, only the fact that's... that he's so unbelievably fast. It's not that The fact is, is that he just he, he just like his footwork on that touchdown pass is unbelievable. It, it, he's already a, a five-year NFL veteran at that point. And the best part is that he, he's maybe considered not even the best receiver in the draft. It might be Jamar Chase from LSU. Mind boggling, but to, to that point when you look at that team you you look at what uh um Alabama's quarterback is able to do he's so calm and so and granted his wide receivers are wide open so you should be able to do it but the point being he's still got to execute he's still got really good footwork uh and 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 but but it'll be interesting because i'll tell you what justin fields is not going to go down without a fight and and we, no. we we saw that last night and um if there's a coach that can do it it's ryan day so that that it, it 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 could be a real humdinger. I mean, we don't know. We'll we'll see. But I, I think Alabama by default. But you
2: know. I think that's fair. And it's really can Ohio State weather the storm um, early on, you know, and and take a couple of those punches where it was clear Notre Dame just couldn't. You know, you had um, Harris, you know, jumping feet in the air over a linebacker and you just knew that, <laughs> at that point in the game was over and it didn't matter It was like a a fade pass that was like perfectly thrown for like 40 yards there was nobody within 10 yards of the receiver. so i mean it was just it was just it was it was the circus the, yeah. the
1: the the one thing we'll have to watch the the, the story that will play out the next couple of days is going to be where's justin field get from the injury perspective after that hit that he received now the word was, it was just bruising. Now, I, I have to tell you, I, it's tough to convince me that there was only bruising on that particular hit. And, I mean, if he ended up getting the old Drew Brees, you know, several broken ribs, but he was still out there playing. Well, then, I, I say, and, and really, if you're Justin Fields, you do not play another game if you're not. Re- and, I mean, you can get there, you can see you're a fighter, and so on and so forth. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, if you're Justin Fields, you leave, you leave that game is your lasting impression of of what people want and and that will make you more dollars because otherwise if you get more injured it's going to cost you dollars and and I I hate to say, you know that you know we talk about the football we talk about you know college football I'll tell you what's very telling is how unbelievably bad these bowl games are if they're not a playoff game I mean the playoff games are not good to begin with but at least there's a competitive level there or at least I feel like an effort being put out um, these other games, where I mean, we had the one game where the guy, you know, he played the first half and he was done, and he said, "I'm I'm out." He's so a wide receiver, I think, from Oklahoma or something like that. Uh, it, it is very telling the direction that college football is going, and how null and void, if you will, that the bowl game situations are uh, as we go forward. So.
0: Well, college football has no one to blame but themselves for that.
1: Um, oh, absolutely. oh yeah and,
0: and we've we've talked about that in the past and i think it'll be a good topic in the future at some point too um but i was just thinking three drops in a season 140 targets um i mean three drops that's an eric ebron half so yeah. I, like, <laughs> I it that's yeah, yeah phenomenal. yeah anyway um so uh college football final that's coming up next Monday that'll be the 11th sticking in the world of f- football and bringing up the Lions real quick uh, before we jump into the football playoffs of which I've already noticed that I have to change my week 17 lineup um, <laughs> anyway um, Lions have brought on uh, Chris Spielman great linebacker um, who's always felt like a Lion um, he um he's coming on board as a special assistant and thing I'd like to lead the conversation off with is just saying, this is taking a page out of the book of other teams, uh, particularly the Detroit Tigers who have brought on former players as special assistants, just, you know, you're thinking Al Kaline was obviously with the team for many, many years in that uh, capacity. Uh, This now Alan Trammell is one of them. Kirk Gibson is one of them guys who are, more or less lifers with organizations who just bring a wealth of experience, common sense, they were on the field, they have the respect of people. It seems like a positive thing. As far as I'm concerned, the Lions continue to be just a terrible, terribly run organization. But this was not a bad thing in my mind.
1: To me, uh, you know, it can go both ways. I I mean, I've seen the discussion, Albert Burr came out and said that he, you know, from uh, um, Sports Illustrated, uh, he commented that, you know, this might be a bad thing because some of the candidates that he's talked to or at least heard of are are maybe not necessarily confident about the situation, trying to figure out what exactly uh, what Chris Spielman's role will be with the team. Uh, is it going to be, you know, overseeing? Is it controlling? You know, that 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 type of thing. What what are going to be the drawbacks? So there's going to be a lot of work on the Lank organization side to go. Hey, this is what Chris is here to do. This is is clearly defined role. Um, I think on the positive side, this is something they tried this the last time where they said, hey. We don't know what we're doing. We're going to try to bring in people that do know what they're doing or at least have our interest in our back. Now they did it last time with Ernie and from the outside of the organization. Obviously it turned out to be a disaster. This team, and I I will give credit to Sheila Fort Hamp and the organization. They continue to basically say, we don't know what we're doing. We're trying to find people that can help us. And I think, that's the first step. If, if, if you can admit that yeah. you don't know what you're doing, that's a good first step. Now with Chris Spielman, here's what you got. You got a, a, a guy that played in your organization. Uh, he knows college football really well. He knows pro football really well. He's been a very good commentator, and it's not necessarily an indicator of if you're good or bad, but the point being is that he's been in the commentating field for quite a while. He's been able to look and talk to coaches and, and have a very good feel for the league as a whole. Uh, and I think your thing that helps, too, is he to has Rick Spielman, who was a former scout and uh, player personnel guy for the uh, Lions when they actually really did good player personnel work uh, back in the uh, late 90s. Um, and then, you know, m- moving on, he's been with Minnesota for a while. He's doing very well with Minnesota. And, you know, not you know, not talking shop, but the point being is that you know that there's conversa- professional conversations between the two. I, in the end, believe it's a good move, but – we will not really be able to judge if this is a good move until these hirings take place and we know who they brought in because I think that will go a long way in terms of being able to get that idea and we'll know in about 30 days.
2: Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I think it's mainly a, a PR move. Um, I, I recognize that, you know, they continue to say that they don't know what they're doing and they don't need to tell us that. Um, <laughs> um, but
0: knowing is half the battle. So, uh,
2: You know, I think Justin said, you know, they're, they're a poorly run organization, and they are. And what they need is someone that knows how to run an organization, and that's not Chris Gilman. And so, no. True. He's there, you know, he knows more than, than the folks that are running the team do, which is great, but it really doesn't matter in the long run to me because, you know, this is a long process that's going to involve both player – you know and personnel and, but a whole lot more it's about how to do business as a professional team in the nfl which this franchise seems to have absolutely no idea and has seemingly had a, a no idea in my lifetime um you know referencing the way that they botched most of the talent that they had in the 90s mm-hmm. with, with, with sue and with johnson um
0: jerry like, sanders
2: you know, and they're going to, so they need a, they need a, a president and they also need a GM and then they also need a head coach. Like they just need a whole lot and there's the on the field stuff, but there's a lot of the off the field stuff that they need. so that they, they have a sustainable model as a not joke of an NFL franchise. And, you know, Chris Billman just not going to help him much there. And so, you know, that's, that's the challenge. And so, you know, I think he's a smart guy. I enjoy him
0: on TV, but I think it's, it's mainly. A point. So leaving the lions mercifully, um, as they have what one game uh, left in the season. Um, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately you can't see the look on Brandon's face on the uh, podcast view, but, um, NFL playoffs coming up. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so Alvin Kamara has uh, tested positive for COVID. Uh, he pretty much carried my team all season long in fantasy football. Uh, he's been phenomenal this season. I mean, just nothing short of phenomenal. So he'll be out this week and is iffy for next week because of the 10-day protocol. Um, but that said, that's, that's the late-breaking news. What are you guys looking at in terms of the playoff picture?
1: Well, uh, I'll tell you. I mean, we'll just start with the AFC right now. I mean, uh, you know, we talked about the Steelers quite a bit in the uh, last show. Um, I, you know, and it's weird with the AFC because AFC, you could have a ten and six team not make the playoffs. In fact, you are probably going to have a ten and sixteen, and then that won't be the case in the NFC at all. So, uh, but uh, just sixteen
2: in the NFC. I don't know.
1: Uh, yeah no 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 uh, no I, I mean it, it's one or two teams that win
2: 10 games
1: yeah you're right I mean right now you've got uh um you know Green Bay's got 12 games okay so good for them the Saints and the Buccaneers are 11 and 10 uh wins respectively the Rams prop may not win uh and again they're up against the cardinals uh so you're looking the cardinals are eight and seven they're a dreadful watch from time to time if you've watched them at all this year so yeah, they're so dreadful at times that they're oh.
2: writing articles about matt patricia's genius that's how bad they are something
1: yeah yeah it's it's cliff clip, <laughs> clip kinkberry Eek. He's got the, you know, again. Uh, well, I hope, I hope, I hope for Cliff he, he's able. I mean, for all the talk that he got and all the praise that the organization got, uh, it's been a little on the depressing side to watch that. Especially yeah. and Kyler Murray, uh, he he has just really started to fade already. And hopefully, you know, he'll he'll get better. He'll get some better coaching in there uh, for quarterback coaching and stuff uh, next year. Uh, even with the season that DeAndre Hopkins had. Uh, uh, there but, but 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 real quick going back to the AFC, uh you know right now um you know the steelers are a 12-win team fading which is very bizarre to me um you got the tennessee titans which they're dreadful on defense uh their offense is really good but they look like they're going to probably win the division um the chiefs haven't covered a spread in nine games now uh but they've but again, 14 wins. But got, I always feel like we talked about Alabama earlier. They're always playing in second gear, which is why you you found that situation. And the team that everybody loves to to, to uh, love is the Buffalo Bills, and that's where I think the Kansas City Chiefs by default make the Super Bowl. But I could see where you know I, I could see I could see you know a Buffalo Bills team getting in there just because Josh Allen has progressed so immensely. In, in one season, especially in in a off season you didn't have any you know OTAs and, and barely any training camp that uh, and, and that defense and they just they just seem to have that thing i don't you know I don't have a great word or the, the it factor and i'm I'm curious to see what happens uh in the AFC uh, which is a much 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 better conference than the NFC so
0: do we have to talk about the NFC? Sorry, please, please continue.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to add, you know, to what Adam, uh, you know, offered. I think the Chiefs are clearly the best team in the NFL, but it's mm-hmm. be for them to get back to the Super Bowl. If they get back to the Super Bowl, I think they win pretty comfortably, pretty rough. You know, there are da- some dangerous teams, you know, people sleep on Indianapolis, um, but they can beat anybody. Uh, the Bills look pretty awesome. Um, you know, uh, the Steelers are always a tough team in the playoffs. They're so well coached. Um, it's going to be rough for them to get back. It's going to have the target on their back. So it's going to be interesting. I'm very excited for the playoffs in the See, Those are going to be some great
1: games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the one big disappointment though is that when you're looking at the playoffs and you just mentioned Indianapolis, that might be the team that gets get singled out. Um, and and, and then somehow. Though right now, I mean, this Miami Dolphins situation with the quarterback situation, Tool doesn't look very good when he's in there. Fitzpatrick's got the COVID, so he can't play. He's not available. Jake Rudock is signed, so he's back in Miami again. Uh, you know, and, and I think – and, you know, the Baltimore Ra- – and, and, and do not sleep on the Baltimore Ravens. Because I slept on them, and, I, and, and Lamar Jackson was very just – very generic. Most of the season, but now the last two, three weeks, he's been incredible, and that team is really J.K. Dobbins is finally getting a chance to run the ball. He's a very dynamic runner. Uh, we'll have to see how that 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 shakes out. But to your point, Brandon, I I would love to see the Indianapolis Colts in the playoffs because I think of all the teams that are out there, uh, one more Phil Rivers, you know, dynamic push to uh, uh, before he probably you know ascends to a television career very quickly uh we'll we'll have to see how that that shakes out so
0: on the nfc side um (laughs) well we we named the teams that have 10 wins Mm -hmm. uh well tampa bay i don't i don't know if we yeah adam did mention them but uh nfc east um that's pretty brutal over there. <laughs> Once again, you can't see Brandon's face, but uh, pretty, pretty pretty brutal over there.
1: No, and, that face that uh, um, the face that the uh, kid Ralphie gets when he gets his uh, BB gun—that a smile you've got on your face there. So, uh, I'll tell you, the NFC—I, uh, I, you know, to, like you said, the East. I mean. Uh, The one interesting thing in the East has been Philadelphia and the play of Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think that that's something very notable, not necessarily obviously for this year, but I'm very excited because again, by the way, you remember, there was someone on the show that was very excited about Jalen Hurts going into the draft last year and desperately wanted the Lions to draft him because uh, he thought he would be a really good backup and, uh, and maybe even a transition quarterback uh, from Max Stafford. But that didn't happen. And a lot of people kind of not on the show, but there were people that did. no, 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 that's not true. That, uh, no, no, it, it was true. And I knew it was true, but I'll, I'll leave that be. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you something that might shock people. Uh, and it has more to do with the conference and I still think that they've played some horrible games this year, but Green Bay might be the team to beat in the conference.
2: Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you were because I mean you have been you know historically down on Green Bay the reason um, I have been a little bit more historically up on them. I think they are the team to beat. Um, but they're not a a great team.
1: No, 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 no. But, but I can't, I mean, I see it and I look at it. I mean, you know, you got the Seahawks, which I have no idea what will happen with the Seahawks in the playoffs. Russell Wilson took about eight weeks off, uh, as a quarterback. Uh, you know, the LA Rams, they can't get out of their own way. We've already talked about Arizona Cardinals. Um, you know the Saints. If you don't have Kamara, that's going to be a, a, a major, you know, and and you know Kamara did not do well during the Taysom Hill era no. uh, there, uh, and that's something you know rather notable. The only good thing about the New Orleans Saints is if you can, you they get to go to Latavius Murray, who he's incredible backup. Yeah. I mean, it, how he's not a number one running back somewhere is beyond. So that's the only saving grace there. You, you got your buddy. Tommy B down in, uh, you know, in Tampa and that's another team that, you know, they've played some games this year so you don't really know what will happen. Uh, But, and and oh, by the way by the way, only in the NFC could be dynamic Mitchell Trubisky-led Chicago Bears maybe making it into the playoffs. So, a team that got beat by the leos at home only about three weeks ago and that thanks for just yeah it's a you know it, the nfc's a crackpot and uh you know and that's the only reason i'm giving any credit to green bay even though they've had about three games where they didn't know which way to hold the football and what direction to go so but
0: one thing to consider there is aaron Rodgers though and what a season he's having um yeah. and in the playoffs a quarterback can absolutely make a huge difference um, and carry a team, which is what I think makes them extremely, um, you know, scary for the NFC anyway. It makes them the team to beat in the NFC most likely.
2: Yeah. You know, the one thing, the reason why Aaron Rogers is having such a great season is they have two very good running backs um, mm-hmm. right now, actually three. Um, but Aaron Jones is a very good running back. Dylan rookie, starting to emerge. And that's really what's taken a lot of the credit. He's playing well. I mean, he was, uh, you know, I had him fantasy this year and had obviously statistically a great year but um, if they can run the ball well they'll be competitive um, you know uh, odds are it's the Saints in Green Bay battling it out you know, to see who uh, goes to the Super Bowl and yep. teams in the AFC that they could probably beat but be an uphill climb
1: and, and I think in Green Bay, the other thing they have going for them is a lot better receiving core than they had last year. Um, I think that, uh, you know, they go well beyond Devontae Adams with uh, Lazard and, and Tunyon at tight end. And, I mean, uh, yep. Right, and I, I mean, I, and, and when you look at a guy like Aaron Rodgers, his success is a lot like a Tom Brady, where he very much depends on the tight end position. If you give him a good tight end, that goes a long way in terms of helping the rest of the team. And oh, oh by the way, Devontae Adams is as good as anyone in the national football league. No question. He's, he is absolutely incredible. Uh, and and he'll always give credit to Aaron Rodgers, but I think Devontae Adams has to start admitting that he's a pretty good wide receiver. So,
0: so with that said, there'll be plenty more football to talk about whenever we uh, do our next show, no doubt about that. But shifting gears into a couple areas that we uh, really hadn't talked about in the last couple shows, uh, we'll start with the NBA. Uh, regular season is under the way underway there. Pistons just gutted out their first win of the season um, without Blake Griffin. Interestingly enough, um, on concussion protocol, um, you know, I was looking at the box grant, and granted, I'm a very casual. Fan of the Pistons, and we talked about this either the last show or the one before. But I'm looking at this going, Wait, wait, who is this again? When did they get this guy again? You know, and, and having to go back and re look it up and be like, Oh, yeah, 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 that's right, that was that trade. So, um, can't be surprising with a such a turned over roster that things aren't going to go well early in a season.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think they're not as bad as their record suggests. They also, there are also some significant red flags, um, some that are expected, some that are unexpected. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that's very concerning is uh, Sekou Dumboyu has looked awful, uh, and that's concerning for a guy that played some great minutes last year, and for his second year to start so badly, uh, is a bit of a concern. Uh Jeremy Grant is playing way above his, he's hitting, he's punching way above his weight right now. I don't know how long they can rely on him for almost 30 points a game. That could be trouble there. Um, and so there, there's, there's, you know, obviously Griffin's health are back to him being injured. You know, you know, Derek Rose, how many minutes can he play? Um, at the same time, there's some reasons for optimism too. Um, Sadiq Bey, who I was super high on in the, both the conversations we had about the offseason, is looking just about as good as people thought he would be. And then Josh Jackson um, could be the steal of the year as a reclamation project. Uh, people forget how dominant he was at Kansas uh, when he was a one-and-done and was you know, a top-five pick and was expected to be you know, among the elite players in the NBA and then has totally kind of fallen apart. And if he returns to half of what People expected this potential to be that could be a steal as well. So, reasons for for optimism, reasons for concern about what we expected. Um, I think they'll get better, but I don't think they're going to win a lot of games. So.
1: And I don't have any expectations of this team, especially in the first couple months of the season when you didn't really have much of a training camp. You had no off-season workouts, and you basically did a 75 to 80% turnover in the roster, right? So we even – I mean, Dwayne Casey is the best coach for a situation like this because he's going to be able to kind of figure out and have a few shortcuts in his mind. And especially, too, I think it, when you consider – the youth on this particular roster. This is a very, very young roster outside of the Derrick Roses and the uh, Blake Griffins of the world. And so I, I just – my takeaway of watching this team uh, basically quote what uh, Brandon said on the last show is that they are going to be exciting. I watched a good portion of last night's game, and you couldn't help but like to watch what was going on because they, they are – so much more athletic than they have been in almost a decade, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 their ability to run the court and and uh, really, you can tell that Dwayne Casey knows that they they're going to have to play, uh, you know, basically Western Conference basketball, running up and down the court, and and, and that's what they are going to try to do. And guess what? It it takes work and practice to even get there because it's so much dependent upon uh, uh, shot selection um, and um, passing. uh, And, and, you know, and then you're watching, you almost feel like you're watching a great camping team because, I mean, I'd have to go back and look. I bet you that this year... That if you're going to do a per game basis for this year compared to other seasons, that the Pistons are going to shoot as many three point shots as they have in 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 over a decade. It just seems that they're they're not even going to try to get it down to the big man and see what they can do in the paint. Oh no, I mean they're going to shoot the three. And they're going to they're going to live and die by the three. Uh, you know, their Earl Weaver live and die by the three run homer. This, this, <laughs> that, this is that that's what this team is going to do? They are oh. going to live and die by the three. So
2: yeah, it's insane how how much. <laughs> Griffin, as he ages, is shooting more threes. Some of the pieces they have off the bench, the DeLon Wrights, the, rights, the um, Wayne Ellington, who, who played, I think, for the first time last night. Like, these guys all only do shoot. Um, so, Shmi uh, Milichuk, like, just another three-point shooter. Um, so, yeah, they're they're just going to be tossing up bombs all year, and then, you know, hoping Mason Plumley you uh, know, the ball bounces into his head or something once in a while and he grabs it. <laughs> we um, need something from him. God knows he's making a lot of money, so. Um, the, other, the other red flag, I, I, and I don't want to, like, he's a rookie, but Killian Hayes is a bit out of sorts. Um, and, you know, that's, that's to be expected, to be sure. You know, he's a rookie, but he is also a top-ten player, you know, a top-ten draft pick. And, you, you know, you want to see a little bit more from a guy who played professionally. Uh, LaMelo Ball is out there making people look stupid, um, a guy who also played professionally. So, hoping for a little bit more from Hayes. Um, in, the, in, the, in the near future, because that's what you expect when you have, you know, the eighth-time kind of pick. Um, you should have a guy who can play good minutes.
1: There seems to be uh, a lot going on between Dwayne Casey and Killian Hayes, just based on the reading and Twitter and stuff like that. And I, I, I think there's a – I'm, I'm very curious about how that will work out because I think it, uh, uh, we'll call it a bit of a tug of war uh, between – I think there's expectations on uh, – from Dwayne Casey in terms of what he expects from Uh, Killian Hayes especially in practice Uh, and with no one really able to watch practice we're not really sure what's going on Uh, but it's something to that that dynamic is something to, to to watch uh as as the season goes along uh, i 'll be curious about uh i I think he will prevail i i it, just from the fact that I think that Dwayne Casey knows what he 's doing with the young players it just it, it could take a little bit of time more time than any else us would like from a top ten draft pick as brandon alludes to and, and but it just it's something to watch
0: and yeah, no. No doubt, Um, and he's questionable for the game tomorrow uh, with the ankle injury injury as he was uh, for yesterday's game, Uh, again against the Celtics, and just oddity here in terms of Killian Hayes. He hasn't scored a point in a couple of games. That's just weird in basketball for a starter. Um, It's just very, very odd. Um, Hasn't taken a ton of shots, mind you, but... um, definitely is is for god but so early um and a lot of these guys are under contract for next season again assuming they don't trade the whole team away again um, th- this is more than a one year situation i think yeah that's how
1: i got oh it. yeah no, I, I think Brandon really, you know, he laid it out in the last show where he talked about, you know, especially from a contract standpoint, uh, what, what was going on, I think. And, and you know, and for Troy Weaver, I, I, I will tell you, I think Troy Weaver's time goes along. Um, the one good thing I, I, I think is that, and for whatever reason I'm at, Not really sure why it's happening, but there's a lot more regionalization of focus on um, uh, uh, the NBA these days. I feel like that, you know, where where the focus is mostly on the home team. And the good news for that for Troy Weaver, as much as I I like the fact that he's really transforming this team as we see it today, um, because of that regionalization, there might be a little bit of a a blind toward Christian Wood, who has uh, gotten off to a very good start with Houston. Uh, but uh will will uh, and and that might be the one where people kind of scratch their head on that one um but i don't know time will tell so
0: moving on and uh so adam as you were mentioning your your top bar there on espn.com i don't have the nhl on that top bar um so i, I hit the drop down and listed above the nhl um was cricket um so that's just kind of where we're at, anyway.
1: Hey, hey by, by the way, when you work from a fairly international, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, with companies across, I Agreed. mean, it, it is ridiculous. Like cricket is like we we're big into foot, you know, American football here. Our, our fandom of that is so so. It, it's smaller than than anything having to do with cricket, and the arguments I hear on the on conference calls and whatever. Like, wow, I, I feel like I'm missing something with cricket, but to, to your point. Well,
0: well, I mean, and and when you go with, you know, what we call soccer, I mean, those two sports are so rabidly followed everywhere yeah. but here. But anyway, on to the NHL. Um, so training camp has begun. Uh, so the Wings are uh, doing their thing. Regularly season starts on the 14th of January. And so I, I took my first look yesterday at the Red Wings roster their training camp roster and the one takeaway I I had was they're actually going to be able to put a professional team out on the ice which was not always the case last year granted if they have a bunch of injuries there is not a ton of depth there Um, but one of the things I was looking at is you know on defense last year there were games where they were playing four rookies uh, back on D and you're, you're just never going to you're just not going to survive in the NHL uh, when you have that. But this year, um, you know, Patrick Nemeth, who was very solid last year for them, you know, still there, but um, they picked up Mark Stahl. who's just a good, solid veteran defenseman. Um, John Merrill, you know, solid guy, not great, uh, but Trey Stetcher, solid guy. DeKaiser's back from injury, so hopefully – he can come back and contribute. And then you've got some of the younger guys. You know, Filipronic I think is going to be a main state also this year, but as he played a lot of last year, but you know, the, the wings are going to hopefully be able to put out on the ice a solid team. It's not going to win a ton of games, but it's going to be better. And it's going to continue to develop some of those younger guys, because this is the other takeaway is a lot of the guys in this lineup remain super, super young. You know, look at Robbie Fabry, who they picked up last year. He's 24 years old, uh, had a really, really solid season. He's already played a couple hundred games in the NHL. You know, Larkin's only 24. Um, And some of these other guys who they've, what I would say, rushed to the NHL are super young. And the more they play, the better they're going to
2: get. Yeah, you know, and I think the really cool thing, and this is, you know, where hockey and, and basketball have the, the, the faster turnarounds of, of system camp, the farm system is very good. Um, you know, Lucas Raymond is very highly regarded, um, and Moritz Cider yeah. is also very highly regarded. And things yep. are generally considered to have a top five, top ten farm system right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't have a leaf uh, in the uh, pipeline. Uh, um but they, your point, I mean, Justin, you did the rundown of all the talent they have on the roster that's young. But they've got some all star caliber players uh, in, in Raymond and Sider and a few other guys that are a, little, a couple, a tier two down from them. Yep. they got a lot of talent coming. Um, you know, Lucas Raymond's off to a good start. And for Lunda, uh, Sider looks to be every bit of the, the kind of top, top pair defenseman that they want him to be. And so kudos to Iserman for getting this team young and, and scrappy and, you know, they need to figure out the goaltending thing, but it's going to be, again, to Adam's point, could be a lot of fun to watch them here.
1: So the interesting thing, and I, I I could be mistaken, I thought I heard every name that you brought up and, and what was, uh, what was very notable was a name that didn't get brought up in that's phillips Um And that's a guy where I'm, I'm very curious about. And, and I everyone that listens to this uh, show, podcast, whatever we're calling it, knows I'm extremely, extremely casual when it comes to uh, the Red Wings. Because it's not something I can necessarily. Hockey is a tough sport for me to wrap around in my mind. I'm very dedicated this year to watching Red Wing games because one, I'll have nothing else to do in this pandemic world that we're in. So I have nothing else to do but to be, you know, watch it. Uh, but the other thing, though, is that I, I'm looking for the ciders and the Zidinos of the world. I'm interested in, you know, uh, uh, Larkin, if he's uh, – Dylan Larkin is able to go ahead and continue that progress that he is has been making but continues to need to be making – Uh, to in in order for him to really get to that next level and it is team to get to the next level. Uh, And I'm also very curious. You guys did allude to this though, the, uh, uh, the whole goalie situation, which I mean, at this point they have six goalies um, on, on the roster, everything from 22 to 36 uh, and um, uh, quite, quite the collection of of names there. None of them outside of, well, basically very few of them really jump out at me. So um, that's where, I, in, in my mind, this is a team, though, that above anything else has to be getting an identity at this point. That's I think the goal this year. And if they can't get an identity on this particular team, that's where I think Blashaw will be very challenged in terms of maintaining his, uh, employment with the uh, Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, and we'll see what Zadina
2: can do. And you know, he's going to be in the lineup this year. He's going to have a chance at consistent minutes. Um and you know he still has a lot of potential. And so you know oh, yeah. but you know, he's an undersized guy and the things are gonna have to work for him and, and we'll see how he fits into some of the chemistry of these reshuffled uh lines. It'll be interesting.
0: It, and bear in mind Zadina just turned twenty one in November, yeah. um and has already put up a half point per game in the 30 40 games he's played in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um not been good defensively, but again, that's no surprise. As you mentioned, Brandon, he's undersized and what have you. But, again, as I was looking at this stuff yesterday and I took my first deep dive into it for the season, um, you know, you just can't write somebody off at 21 or 22 or 24. Um,
2: And and it's not a problem for – Iserman's building the team this way. He wants speed on the wings. He's smaller than Phillips Adina. Uh, and is considered to be an absolute dynamo. And so this is how Eisman 's constructing this team. He wants I mean, what he did in Tampa, too. He's yep. got fast, quick, fast wingers who can, who can be electric and score. And, you know, what he's trying to do is build, you know, a rock-solid defense behind him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's following to script. He's, he's drafting the guys to fit his system.
0: Yep. Guys back on D who can move the puck but play D they don't jump into the play. They don't, you know, do any of that, you know, one other name I wanted to throw out of the prospect list is um, Theodore Niederbach, another small guy, um, 18 years old that they just drafted and he's already put up uh, 36 points in the Swedish leagues this season in 30 games. So, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive what they have. Um, yeah pretty impressive what they've got in the miners so or in the pipeline it's really not the miners in this case so but uh anyway uh like i said in a couple of weeks we will find out a little bit more as we get the season underway and and there'll be plenty more to talk about in that time um did do a few uh off-season signings that i thought were very interesting and we can talk about that those a little bit more as we get uh Get into the season, but including uh, Bobby Ryan, perhaps the most interesting uh, out of that group. Uh, last thing I wanted to touch on real quick was baseball. Not a lot going on on the Tigers front. They did pick up a guy in the um, Rule 5 draft that puzzled me. Very talented young guy, but somebody they would need to keep on the roster all season. Now, the one thing I will say to thats that, is that um, with rosters expanding permanently to 26 players. It does give you a little bit more flexibility to keep, um, a young guy on the bench. Um, but, uh, and Tigers have, have finished out their coaching staff, things of that nature, not a lot going on there. The one thing, and we were talking about this prior to actually starting the recording today. And so we probably got all the good material out already. Um, is San Diego Padres have really been uh, eye-opening. Two trades in the last couple of days uh, to pick up Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish and not really giving up the cream of their prospect crop in doing it. And it makes them uh, quite a, potentially a dynamo for next season.
1: I I think they're gonna be a dynamic team for a while as long as they can continue paying contracts, right? And and I mean, we alluded to one who, birthday is today or the day of the recording of Fernando Tatis Jr. and you know the real shame for baseball is is like Mike Trout you know you got this player on the east uh, west coast that you're not necessarily going to be able to see a whole lot live uh, just based on the lateness. Uh, you know the, the the game's being played later but Fernando Tatis Jr. is you maybe you're one of the best major league baseball players at the tenure age of twenty two, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, to really be out there. And and I think he he'll be important to the Padres uh, for them winning. I think, you know, if and if baseball's smart, they'll they'll definitely, you know, for, you know, advertise him, uh, even though he's a little uh, uh against the grain, if you will, in terms of his perspective on life. And part of it might be youth. Part of it's just quite honestly, baseball needs it. Right. They they need a yeah. uh, you know, they're they're uh, you know not jerked a little bit. And uh, as a result, that's what we got. And uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, it will be very interesting to watch this Padres team, which, you know, they did give up. They give up good players. It's just the fact mm-hmm. that is that their farm system is so good that that they they can give up players that are not at the top. And it and it being all right. And and lastly, okay, the, the the pitching staff. I mean, they really in order for them to really hopefully and and has tons of potential. But as we all know, with young pitching staff, tons of potential. Uh, something could be very you know tremendously disappointing. So,
0: very very true. Yeah, Tatis just turned twenty two, and he is very irreverent. Um, but I think some of the stodginess of baseball needs to start. Going away, and this is a good, good way of, of you know, get, getting, getting the the uh, league down that road a little bit. Um, and I, I'm a fan of stodginess. Don't get me wrong, but it's also good to have a little bit of excitement too.
2: Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, it's a stodginess that I think is cultivated both by the league itself and by the fan base, but also by the players too. And you know, when I think about time- I always think about Jose Bautista. Uh, yeah. same here. And, and, and a couple things. And so, one, I understand why all the fallout happened from the backflip, but that was also one of the most exciting playoff moments that baseball has had in the last 15 years. It was a clutch home run in, like, the seventh or eighth inning of a, a very big playoff series, and he hit the crap out of the ball. I mean, he hit the ball, like, 420 feet. Mm-hmm. Majestic, just a you know a picture book home run It's so always it was exciting like he threw the bat it was the fans were going nuts the players were going nuts like it was cool it was, it was cool it was good for the game
0: like it was and, and and that's the thing as much as i am the the stodgy baseball purist there was nothing wrong with what he did that's the time you flip the bat
2: Yes. You it was know a it, home run. I mean It was
0: absolutely the time you celebrate. That's when you do it. So the other team just needs to get over that if they don't like it. Yes, when you flip your bat when you're down by double digits and you hit a solo home run in the eighth, okay. yes, then you deserve to get a pitch thrown at you. You do it there, that's appropriate. That's the appropriate time for that that sort of thing. So but anyway. Coming back to the Tigers real quick, uh, Alex Fiedo, um is having Tommy John surgery, um, I mean, for the love of God. We um, talked so, about this. Like, I mean, know.
2: This is how it is now with major league art, you know, with, with prepping major league arms. Like, you almost have to expect that, like, 30% of these guys are going to have some kind of major reconstructive surgery. 30% of these guys are going to wash out, and the other 30% are going to win 20 games you know it, it's just where we are
0: crazy it really is crazy uh the percentage of these guys because so next year two guys that the tigers added to the 40-man roster uh great young arms at least to this point wentz and faedo are both going to be out with tommy john surgery um that's just just crazy but it is Wait, what it what is
2: about the, the arena signing i mean i understand that you know he's I and mean, he's, he's a guy to chew up uh, some innings. I also saw they signed Kroll to a minor league deal, bringing him back. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on the arena signing? Um,
0: fine. Um, to me, he's, he's the Liriano, the um, Pelfrey, the uh, Fires. The, he, could, he, he could fall anywhere on that spectrum. He could come in and start thirty games and just be solid five ish e r a chew up innings, and he could flame out after ten games and end up sitting out the rest of the season with a seven e r a right but he's a guy that we had to sign um you know if not him then someone else, but he is just as good as anyone else and and he's still you know he's under thirty he you know, there's some upside to him. He if he pitches well, he's got trade value. Um, so a a fine signing, but Tigers have lots more that they need to do in front of them.
1: I'll tell you, the guy I'd like them to sign and it pains me because Lynn Hamming agrees with me. So that's Ooh. horrible. I know, but Rick Porcello I think would be a fantastic signing for this particular team. And and to your point, uh, you're gonna get a lot of innings. Um, yeah, he had uh, erratic periods, uh, 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 game stretches in his career. But what you're going to be able to get, plus just bringing him as, if, on all accounts, a fantastic person, uh, to, to to be able to add him to your roster, I think would go a long way in terms of achieving what you've tried to do with some cheaper contracts in the past, including the arena deal. So. Yeah, I mean, I would have no
2: issue with Porcello coming back.
1: Um, Agreed.
2: You know what I what I'd like this team to do is to have enough talent on the major league roster that some of these young guys have the opportunity to experience what it's like to win and lose close games. Um, and to truly again, they're gonna get knocked around this year. That's okay. But they need to be competitive enough that there's value. Like two years ago, there was just no value in anything that was happening during the year. You know, last year we got a little bit better. There were there was some companies They really need, even if we're gonna get you know, struggle to get to 70, 75 wins, they really need to be in some, in some in more competitive games. And I will
1: help them. Well, and I'll tell you, the thing, that you know, that 70 uh, thing, and we just talked a little bit about it, is the health. I mean, for whatever reason, this team has had no luck in terms of the people that they've brought in from an injury standpoint. And I think at some point, they're going to get a little lucky with injuries. And that's where I look when I look at a guy like Rick Porcello, who has been so healthy for basically 90% of his career that's the type of yes it will cost you a few bucks and the other thing is is that rick is still a, a relatively speaking young guy uh amazingly enough i mean he got a start when he was a 19 as a tiger mm-hmm. uh right. and i mean with he 31 32 at this point so 32. i mean he, yeah yeah i mean he still has a lot of years in front of him uh uh of what will end up shaping up to be a Actually, I would almost argue a very good Major League Baseball career. Uh, Almost, you know, like the, you know, if you're not in the forest when the fall trees, do you really hear the, you know, the tree fall? So. Tree, tree we, yeah, we, we, we get it. We okay. Get it. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. yeah but but no, we've been on the air too long already. Yeah, we can't, we can't, yeah. we can't start off with 10 minutes and then allow Adam to be good uh, the whole time after.
0: So. That that That's fair. Uh, but yeah, percelo has <laughs> got 150 wins, 355 career starts over 2000 innings pitched. He's had a really solid career. Yes. Yes. So you can't argue that. So with that said, uh, I think that'll wrap it up before Adam's brain explodes and starts leaking out onto his desk or anything along those lines. Um, And so I guess the only thing that we can leave the show with today is, um, when are we doing this again?
1: I would say, wait, two, three weeks, probably three weeks. I would imagine we will be uh, more Piston games on our belt. We'll have uh, some Red Wing games on our belt, more Oakland University. NFL playoffs will be definitely moving along. The PGA will be uh, getting uh, underway. Uh, They'll have their first uh, tournament next weekend in Hawaii. Uh, and I think, you know, but we'll know a lot more about the lying situation at that point and be able to try to figure out whether or not Eureka has happened and uh, maybe, maybe, maybe they've done something good, so. Eureka.
2: I, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I wanted to find a Yogi bear quote to, to match Adam's energy. Um, and what I found is in theory, there's no difference between theory and practice. In practice there is. <laughs> my closing remarks.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. No, I, I have my moments. I admit it. <laughs> if I can just contain these moments, uh, the quantity of them on, on this average for the next 60 years, I'll be good to go. So,
0: Indeed. Indeed. Well, with that said, yeah, I don't have any good Yogi Bear isms to close us with.
2: The um, future ain't what it used to be.
0: It isn't. It isn't. For Brandon Lee and Adam Swenson, my name's Justin Lee, and thanks so much for listening to another edition of Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. We'll see you in a few weeks.